0: All right, we are live. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Marcus Washington. After Georgetown just lost its first game of the season, losing to Northwestern 75-63, Hoyas were led by Primo Spears, their leading scorer the season so far. He had 22. Jay Heath made his Georgetown debut with 13 points off the bench and you know northwestern basically wore them down the hoyas were up two at the half and the second half georgetown just could not get right defensively you know a lot of what we've seen the last couple of years right open threes in the corner um you know the press getting broken for threes trading twos for threes and georgetown not winning a game when they can't get into the 80s chris collins uh you know i think most people my age and your age remember think of him as a duke basketball player He's been at Northwestern for 10 years, which is crazy to think. And, you know, he said, look, we want to slow them down and we want to, you know, maximize our possessions. We don't want to go in on Wahab and Cook. And it worked perfectly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that that run in the second half was where coaching really did take place, where Collins knew what sets to run. Like he said, he did. He ran the clock down, made Georgetown play offense, made them play long possessions. Georgetown did try to speed up the, um, they did try to speed up the pace, but couldn't because you can't make shots and and you end up turning the ball over and only thing it did was help Northwestern achieve what they wanted to achieve.
0: Yeah, so Northwestern finished 14 for 33 from deep. Georgetown was just seven for 22. I mean that that's really the game there. I mean they almost lost to Coppin the same way. Coppin forced an extra five minutes. They made 13 threes. They I think they attempted more. But, you know, college basketball 2022-23 season, you know, if you're going to give up that many threes and that many open threes, it's going to be hard to win. So we know Kevin Nickelberry is now in charge of the defense. What are you seeing differently? Are well, you seeing anything di- I guess you ask you, <laughs> are you seeing anything differently? Yeah, well, the
1: three-quarter court and the full court stuff is definitely something different. And I'm wondering how much in the second half of today's game when things got tight, did Patrick take over the defense and not necessarily Nickelberry because it looked more like they went to a scheme of last year, which was kind of light pressure when you suck into. They like the wall in the lane, which is why you have the open threes, especially in the corners. And in 2022, 2023, yeah. you cannot give up open corner threes to a lot of teams on the college level. And you would think a guy who came from the NBA were corner threes are king. That schematically, you'd want to do something defensively where that doesn't
0: happen. Yeah. Um, again, Chris Collins, I thought was pretty interesting post game. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you were there a part of it, but we were kind of getting, we were sitting at courtside, which is an incredible seat, incredible angle. Um, so Collins ran over to get on the coach's show. You know, he was, he got you know, re- ran over, got on the headset, you know, he's talking, and they brought over, um, how do you say his last name? Chase. Assange. Assange. They brought him over, and he's like, hey, can I look at a stat stat sheet? I was like, of course. Mm -hmm. He was like, how many blocks did a cook have? And I was like, "Uh, three. He's like, man, I felt like he blocked me eight times. (laughs) You know, and and Collins had mentioned He's like, what are you doing to get these open threes? And he's like, we can't go in on Wahab and a cook. And, and, you know, so if, if that's your strength, how do they figure out a way to play Do you have to kind of give something away or like how is it that you can have this strong inside where you're protecting the rim? But then you've also your strategy for threes can't be just I hope they miss.
1: Yeah, and right
0: and it seems like that's what they do sometimes. Right,
1: and I think it all starts with Georgetown's inability to quit to keep people out of the lane. Tonight was another example where Northwestern got two feet in the lane constantly. Georgetown does not push sideline baseline. I don't know if that's something where Patrick wants them not to or whatever the case may be, but. They're getting broken down and the open threes are happening because teams get two feet in the lane. And this is where college is different from the NBA is you can build a whole defensive scheme, pushing sideline baseline because there's no illegal defense rules and those type of things. It seems like Georgetown doesn't want to do it. And it's not like Georgetown's coming out with these lofty pack line um, type of of, of, of characteristics. Yeah. You know, I can understand if at UVA that's happening because their whole defensive scheme is built around it happening which is why they can do that but still not give up a million threes because it's the pack line principles but georgetown is using conventional principles and giving up two feet in the lane and until the two feet in the lane thing stops um, they're going to struggle with teams making threes throughout the season
0: yeah i mean for me at the half you know uh, it was kind of a little bit game of runs I know that there's a viral play, basically, where both teams are just fumbling the ball all over the place. And, you know, it kind of picked up steam. I think Matt Norlander at CBS had it and some other people had it. And it wasn't great. But, you know, there was some, you know, some up and down, back and forth. Northwestern closed it to two at the half. And for me, the biggest problem was, you're Georgetown, you're up 35-33. You're holding Northwestern to 28% shooting. You know, it's like, uh... Okay, this seems like a problem, and they come out second half. They shoot eight for 15 from three, you know, 53%. You know, I don't like to break it down as simple as like how did threes go, but that kind of is the first thing I always look at, right? It, it's yeah. just it's hard to win if you're gonna play this way. Like, you know, Georgetown took 22 threes, Northwestern made 14. Right.
1: And part of it is is that if you're starting your offense, taking the ball out the basket, in today's basketball, you're not going to be very good on offense. And Georgetown in the second half wasn't very good on offense. Even Patrick said it at the, the postgame that you, the offense was stagnant. Well, it's hard to run an offense and get in a flow if I'm always having to walk the ball up the floor because I can't stop the other team from scoring. And that's why you got the Primo Spears kind of dribbling the air out the ball or you're trying to run screen and roll with Kudus Wahab 25 feet from the basket that ends in a travel in the lane by Wahab. Those things are happening because defensively, you're not
0: taking care of business on that end. What do you think their best offense is through three games? I mean, I know it does seem like Primo Spears dribbles the air out of the ball a lot, but you know, he kind of, he willed them the Coppin State win. And there's times, I mean, look, he's 9 for 20. He sat for a minute and one second. Okay, I guess I don't want to go into too many different ways. Let's just talk about Primo, though. But that seems like kind of their best offense, like balls in Primo's hand, pick and roll with him. I mean, what what, what do you think is the best way for him? Well, the... Or the best way for Georgetown.
1: Well, for Georgetown, you know, Ewan spoke about wanting two and three passes and wanting ball reversals. Well, what are you setting up and what's in your playbook that encourages that? We saw Collins at ATOs getting open shots and getting the ball in the hands, in the spots of the player that he wanted to. Georgetown with an ATO got a banked-in two-pointer at the end of a shot clock on a ball that had no rotation from Primo Spears. And that is a big difference is what are you doing? What is something that you can go that is your path that when you've given up six or eight straight points that you go to that ensures that you're going to get a ball reversal to an open three or a ball reversal and get downhill to get some more touches as opposed to oh, my goodness, they've scored six or nine straight points. I need to do something individually to stop the run. And that's what we saw
0: in the second half, which is how Northwestern got up by 10. So, obviously, as everyone knows, Georgetown's team is pretty much made up of mainly transfers. That's who mainly plays. I think it's not really fair to count Wahab as a transfer because he did start here and they recruited him out of high school. But you know what I mean? So they're starting four completely new guys. Um, Heath got, you know, activated today. Post game, Patrick Ewing, you know, you talked a little bit about Brandon Murray's struggles. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was a little bit surprised was with Brandon Murray's struggles. He still got to play 38 minutes. Do you think Brandon Murray offensively affected Brandon Murray defensively today? Yeah, I think in the second half it did. In the
1: first half, I thought there was still effort there. In the second half, there was no effort there. He was definitely letting his struggles, especially after he missed the layup, drive what he was doing on the defensive end, and that's just something that cannot happen, especially in a game that's still up in the balance. You know, you just got to lock into. let me – get this back on the defensive end as opposed to sort of that woe is me. And like you said, being at um, courtside, what you could see was you could see the body language of Brandon Murray. And at times it was almost like sad because you could see as the game went on, it just grinded down into, oh, my gosh, what else can go wrong?
0: And he had a couple. I think he had like um, a drive kind of like rim out. He had a shot rim out. Like Mm -hmm. it turns into that, you know, but that's a thing where, you know, the effort has to always be there. And get to another part. So, a cook, a cook, you know, I thought he was phenomenal again, 36 minutes. Brandon Murray, 37 minutes. Primo Spears, 39 minutes. You know, he 30 minutes off the bench. What was different today, and it's going to happen, and I know being a coach is hard, you're a coach, no one's happy all the time. You can't make everyone happy Mm -hmm. all the time. But, you know, Wayne Bristol, you know, transfer from Howard, he's been part of the program. He's known as a pretty good defender. Jordan Riley, pretty good defender. Denver Anglin, he actually was a DNP coach's decision. Um, the challenge to get more guys, more minutes, and particularly if you're able to press, you're going to want that. But what would you have liked to have seen from the bench? Because basically, he pretty much just went six deep. Uh, Riley kind of played like the last four minutes and makes his numbers look a little better. We saw Bradley Izuriro; he made his debut ahead of Matumbo today, who was another DNP. And again, I'm not. This isn't Monday morning quarterback, and you can't play 12 guys, 25 minutes. I get it, but I, I think. For this team to be successful, I think when someone's off like Brandon Murray, I think that's where, like, Bristol's got to get some of those minutes or Riley gets some of those. What do you think would be, in a perfect world, if the game is going in a way that is better than what it went in the second half? How would you see those minutes divvied up a little bit differently? I
1: think definitely with the closing out and as long as Bristol is, I would have wanted to see Bristol in, whether it was for the Murray or for someone else. And there was room to put in um, the, other, <laughs> the other young man that I England? England? Get- Not England, but um, Jordan Riley, I thought, down the stretch. Both of those guys could have played in down the stretch. And I understand this is game three. and You don't want to lose a player um, for the rest of the season because of how you manage game three. But I thought that Patrick had a chance to save Murray from himself. And yeah. he didn't save him from himself. And I thought it made it worse for Murray that he kept him out there as opposed to using one of those two. And I thought that Northwestern did him a favor after Nicholson was so good. The 7-footer was so good in the first half. Collins hardly played him in the Wait, second what a half. a large individual. Yeah, he's 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 massive. And um, by Northwestern not going big, that would have opened up for, for Georgetown to kind of finagle with their lineup and not have necessarily a big lineup out there. So it gave them flexibility that I didn't think that Georgetown took advantage of.
0: Yeah, um, it just, you know, I think after three games, you know, they're going to play 31, 32 plus the Big East tournament. There's no, no proclamations to make after this. There's no, you know, this is how it is, whatever. I think the biggest positive takeaway is that the roster is better. Yes. Right? Like, there's there's no argument? We can't even argue about that? No, the roster is much better than what it's been. <laughs> okay, the roster is better, but I just felt like, even with a better roster, it seemed like, for large parts of that second half, it was like, I've been here before. Yes. I had shorter hair probably then. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you, you know, it just like, that was and it's interesting I hadn't thought of that the idea that like maybe they went maybe Patrick went back to like what he's familiar with like what he knows Mm -hmm. just like we all kind of do when things are starting to sort of go downhill a little bit but I think that was the struggle I guess it was the struggle against Coppin State too right a little bit where it's just like if you can't guard the three you just I don't know what you're doing
1: right right and and we discussed it a little bit after after the game the rotations aren't good Um, When they are trapping and it just seems like a simple fix if you can wall off the middle and wall off the first pass and make them throw it all the way across the court, then you put them in a situation where they're trying to throw over a double team and they have to throw the ball more than one pass away. Georgetown seemingly traps, but they leave the guy one pass away open every time because the rotation isn't necessarily taking it out. It's in the position to guard against it if the ball is caught, as opposed to saying we're not going to allow the ball to be caught. And there's a big difference in that strategy. So on the surface, it looks like, well, it's not working. Why are you still doing it? And to me, it's, well, it's one simple fix. You deny those two passes and you make them skip it. And then you close out, especially if you have the small lineup out there and, and Wahab is sitting down, then you close out. We see it all the time with Baylor. Baylor will put this defensive pressure on you, and then they wall, and then they close out to the baseline so well that you never feel like on offense you can get comfortable and you never feel like you have an advantage. And I feel like for the first time in Ewing's tenure, he actually has players that are athletic enough to somewhat do that, but I'm not seeing him do that.
0: Yeah, I think there. Yeah, I think there was like a little bit of a period. I mean, how long did that last? The year of the Great Exodus, yes. you know, where you did have Galen Alexander and you had Myron Gardner, um, you know, you had Pickett, you had. Um, it's hard to remember everything, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they had. That was definitely a deep, a deep team as well. Yeah. But yeah, it just seems like there's more options. Um, Dante Harris, obviously, still not part of the program. I would suggest that for fans, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, it's unlikely we see him again anytime soon, especially during the first semester. Mm-hmm. So while that being said, how do you think that they can, I mean, obviously Primo, you know, he was big East honor roll, yeah. averaging 24 points. He had 22 today. Like he's able to do this. He's not gonna be able to play 39 minutes a game, college no. basketball, right? No. And at some point you're going to have to trust
1: someone. So going back to your point earlier, I have to find Three, four minutes, maybe five minutes in the first half for Anglin. and then maybe I need to find three or five minutes in the second half for England During the non-conference schedule, I can't wait until the Big E schedule hits here. Well, see that's the problem. And then throw them
0: in there, right? But that's the problem when you have a Coppin State game that goes sideways. Right. You know, Green Bay kind of went the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. When they get back from Jamaica, you've got American here at 11:30 on a Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. But those are what those games are for, and that's I think the problem is that when you get into you know, um, you know, a, a shootout with Coppin State, who by the way has beaten Mount St. Mary's, mm-hmm. they've beaten Navy, they're okay, yeah. but they probably needed that game. Um, we saw the kid from LSU, Bradley Azuero, so basically, this is the center lineup, the depth chart, and we talked about the second, but now you know, yeah, so it's Wahab. Then you go to a Cook. He's your backup center, even though he's your starting four. Yeah. Then apparently we gave some time to Bradley today, and then you got Matumbo as your fourth center. Is that what? What? What's? What's like the break up of the 40 minutes of center that that you think is best? Well, I think going with the small lineup is best when a Cook is
1: playing at center. I think this team plays much better when that's the case he stretches out he takes the big man away he took nicholson away from the basket now nicholson did have a couple of blocks on yeah. him uh, on jump shots but he takes it away and i think it spreads the floor out for georgetown um the problem with uh kudos wahab is there's no place to to spread the floor on a team where now they have guys that need to get downhill now when he was here before and you had the blairs of the world It would work that you throw it into him because it was four out, one in. Those guys really weren't going to beat people in the dribble. You weren't looking for a lot of necessarily lanes for those guys. With this team, you need lanes for Spears. You need lanes for uh, Murray. You need lanes for those guys. And you can't have it when you have... Um, the ability to cheat off of Kudus Wahab and then that prompts Ewing to run a bunch of screen and rolls which also clogs the lane up so um, I just don't think right now that you bring Wahab back but I don't think he necessarily fits with your strong pieces and now you have Jay Heath here is another one yes he can shoot the three but he also as you can see drive the ball in the middle so he's going to have to figure out how to use Wahab effectively with guys who need to
0: get into the lane to be effective. Well, I mean, you saw it last year at Maryland. I don't cover Maryland. And, you know, it took mm-hmm. a little bit longer for Wahab's minutes to go down, but I mean, that's obviously why he's back. Yeah. Let's be honest. Okay, he, you know he left and he came back because you know he needed to go somewhere where he was going to play more. Um, I think I tweeted a halftime that a cook, a cook is approaching, can't leave the court territory, and I think mm-hmm. that's basically what happened in the second half. So if he does start at the four and then he becomes your five, he he doesn't leave the court. Right. You know he's had some injury problems. Who do you like at the four when a cook is playing the five? I mean, you know we did we we saw Bristol for a minute. I think right. Bristol gives you something there. And that's the guy who I would put in. I would definitely put
1: in Bristol. And then again, you can work around the edges. So you put in Bristol and maybe you put in Wahab and then you don't necessarily trap at the top. Or you use Wahab as a rim protector. And you say, all right, I'm going to use him as rim protection. Is he going to get fouls? Absolutely. But I'm going to live with the fouls he gets because I'm looking more of for between 18 to 23 minutes out of him and not between 30 and 35 minutes out of him. I just don't think that with this team and the components that you can get 30 to 35 minutes out of Q unless you're playing a real small team, which was the problem at Maryland. During the um the out-of-conference, he was great because they were playing against small teams as soon as they got to the Big Ten, and they played with against bigger teams. He couldn't guard anyone. He couldn't score on anyone. Teams put him in screen and roll defense, There's and no- he can't defend screen and roll, and, and you can't play him.
0: Yeah. Well, I think between foul trouble and then matchup, I think his minutes just get dictated that way for yeah. the most part. You know, I mean, it yeah. kind of happened against Coppin State. I figured he'd probably feast on them, but and he did. He had a double double in 15 minutes, but he just yeah. couldn't stay on the court. Yeah. Um, are you going to Jamaica? No. I know. You're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. you know, one day, I, you know, I'd love for this team to get back involved in battle for. Is it still the the battle for Atlantis? Is that still the yes, name of it? Yes, still. The name I'd of love me. to go there. I mean, they used to be on that rotation of like, you know, they're you know, because each league kind of gets their team to send every. You can you can only go once every you know every four years. Um, at one point, I'd like to go to Maui. Although basically, it's like watching a game at like a gym smaller than Lake Braddock's. Yes. Um, that, that that is a tiny place. <laughs> um, Battle for Atlantis. Um, Jamaica's just not it's not working. I got asked today, um, are you going to Jamaica? And I was like, I don't know. Are we? Are we it doesn't seem like there's a budget in take Corner for that just yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I, uh, thanks for coming on. Sure you have, do you have any any uh, parting shots at MTC with MOOC? Yep, that's it. I've, the parting shot is at least
1: uh, Georgetown <laughs> is more. Um, palatable to watch offensively at
0: times well, they've what, got, what I mean, they they've got, have they got some talent I mean if you basically all their starters plus plus Heath I think could all go for twenty on any given night yeah you know and you know maybe we should stop talking about the defense it, it's just it's you know I gotta get dig up my stats I'm not, I'm not ready yet you know right. can they get to eighty yeah that, that's where they're gonna that's where they're gonna live right right yeah and it, and maybe it is the
1: in uh, NBA mentality of you're just trying to get enough stops. Not necessarily be this great defensive team, but get enough stops. And that comes to your point. If I'm gonna have that mentality, then probably on the college level, I have to be 75 to 80 probably on most evenings.
0: No, I mean sixty-three, which is what Georgetown scored tonight, is a score you can win in college basketball. Yeah, I mean UVA does it like every damn night. Now that that's obviously the extreme, right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> but you know, I mean, look, I mean, like, there's and you go through the record books, you go through all the Georgetown seasons, like you can win with sixty-three. The problem is you got to play like a much higher level defense, yes, and you got to you got to really contest, and you can't just be giving up like this many threes because. Look, it's college basketball. Like, a certain percent are going to go in, even if it's a low percent. The yeah. Coppin State didn't shoot well. I think they were 13 for 38. Yeah. They shot 43s. Yep. I mean, yep. You know, <laughs> they're, they're going to make some. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah. No, we're going to try to do these more often. Thanks a lot for coming on. Subscribe. Like, all that stuff can take corner anywhere you can find your podcast. Uh, send me. Send that casual Hoya message if there's something going wrong. And make sure to follow Marcus for all of your I wouldn't say basketball, but all of your sports needs—he's got it all covered. I don't even pay attention to the MMA stuff. I don't do. Oh, that's right—you don't. You don't. You do boxing, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say. I was trying to think. I guess maybe I don't. I do like boxing, but I don't follow as much in depth as you. I'm more of like a uh, big, big event. You get into the nuts and bolts of uh, of a boxing. Yeah, I think we're of the age where MMA is just a little bit, just, just sort of not for us. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So don't follow for MMA, but anything else, and. Thursday or Friday, Friday Montego Bay, 4:30, Georgetown, Loyola, Marymount. I'll get another chance to uh, get back in the wind column. Yep.